0: Do. That's the motto of Foundation Christian Ministries, has been for a very long time. Know, pray, do. We believe that we need to truly know who it is we worship. Just like Jesus told the woman at the well, you worship what you do not know. We don't ever want to be guilty of not knowing who it is we worship. But why can't we just go through life knowing that God is there and just knowing that He'll take care of all of our needs? Why do we need to dig deeper? Today on Landline, we are going to explore the importance of knowing. Why is it so important to know God, to know who He truly is, and to dig deeper into our relationship with Him? I hope you have a Bible and a pen and a paper and can take some notes as we look further into why it is that we want to know more and understand more about the God we serve. I'm Michael Land, and this is Landline. A few short years ago, someone surprised me with an unexpected question. He asked if we could someday sit down and talk about who his father really was. He explained that he'd heard three contradictory stories and had struggled with not knowing who his dad was. My heart broke at the thought of living a life without the knowledge of one's source. I was blessed with a great dad whose influence on my life can be felt today, even 15 years after his passing. I can't even imagine the void that would be left behind if I replaced those memories with a question mark. I feel pathetically ill-equipped to address the question because I can't relate to the predicament. Society today tells us that it's healthy, normal, and some will tell you even preferable to raise a child without one or the other parent. Many will say that children do just fine without one of their parents. Ironically, many follow this statement by saying, look at me, I turned out okay. Countless studies, however, demonstrate the absolute opposite. Children who do not live with both parents are often measurably more stressed, less academically successful, struggle more in relationships, act out far more, and face more lifelong financial hardships than their counterparts in healthy two-parent families. One reason children struggle when a parent is absent from their lives is that children emotionally and intellectually form their own identity in large part as a combination of traits they observe in their parents. Without the input of the parents, the child is left to build his sense of self without the proper tools to do so. They often struggle to define relational boundaries, have skewed views of authority, And lack a defining direction. You see, we naturally define and identify ourselves based upon our knowledge of our parents. We make decisions, often subconsciously, as to which observed character traits we will emulate and which we will reject. Those without those examples are often bound by insecurities, a sense of inferiority, and undefined hostilities. Psalm chapter 68, verses 4 through 6. Sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Just like fatherless children, society is obsessed with self-discovery. Pop culture, literature, and entertainment outlets incessantly encourage us to find ourselves, to discover who we really are, to define our own identity. Why this fixation on self-discovery? Why this identity crisis? The answer is very simple. A culture without a father does not know its source, its boundaries, its morals, or its direction. A culture that cannot identify its father is left to define itself without adequate tools to do so. A culture without a father will experience an inner void just like my friend who had gone his whole life wondering who his father was. That society, just like my friend, will waste years of energy trying to fill that father-shaped void with any number of emotional salves to try to comfort that unexplained sense of loss. This is why God's children are called to share Him with the loss. This is why we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying generation. This is why we must unashamedly, lovingly, and clearly communicate the character and attributes of God to the people He created. It is imperative that we reach out with love and with truth of who God is in order to impact the lives of the people He longs to build a relationship with. Key differences exist between those without a human father and those without a heavenly father. People often lack a relationship with their earthly fathers because of the decisions made by others – a father or mother – and have no control over whether a relationship is ever built. Often earthly fathers have removed themselves from the lives of these people and have shown no desire to reach out to them. Our Heavenly Father, though, is different. He consistently reaches out to us and explains His love for us and demonstrates it in tangible ways. He has revealed to us who he is in great detail and longs for a close relationship with us. He's expressed his will and his guidance to us, leaving no stone unturned in his search for a bond with us. He has sacrificed himself with true and holy love to give us the best of himself. There is no way to adequately build a sense of self without knowing who our Father is. The solution for a fatherless generation is for the church to know and make known the greatness, righteousness, and reality of God as revealed in His Word. Yet, how can the church do this if she herself will not become intimately acquainted with her Creator? How can the church lead anyone someplace she herself rarely goes? The church of today has, in large part, ceased to be the church spoken of by Jesus. The church today has sadly become a place more interested in making people feel good about themselves than in introducing people to a deep abiding knowledge of our Creator God. In many churches, one is more likely to hear a motivational speech about self-esteem than about the holiness of God, more about how to love oneself than about how to love god more about how to build oneself and other people up than how to glorify god therein lies the issue mankind can never realize its potential until it focuses more on the vertical relationship with god than on the horizontal relationship with other people When the church ceases to teach people about holiness and point people upward toward God, it has become nothing more than a social gathering. We are called to deliver the news of the hope we have in Christ Jesus. The hope is eternal life. Jesus said in John 17, verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Therefore, the only way we can share that hope that lies within us is to help others know God. The answer to a society with an identity crisis is to introduce them to their creator and source. The way to resolve the fear and uncertainty of mankind is to expose them to the love of Christ, for perfect love casts out all fear. How can we do what we're called to do if we don't take the time to intimately know the one we claim to love? Those of you who are married can probably tell me your spouse's favorite color, favorite meal, maybe favorite flower. You've taken the time to know details about that person's character that reveal tidbits about who they really are, yet earthly relationships are temporal how much more should we strive to know the character and attributes of the God with whom we plan to spend eternity? Yet knowing means far more than merely describing God. We cannot remain in the realm of explanations or descriptions of God. We must have intimate, innate, indelible knowledge of Him. We must know in the biblical sense to take on those characteristics as though they were a part of us to the greatest level possible. Knowing God means making Him our highest priority. It means studying, communication, and absorption of the precepts of God. It means knowing His teachings, His words, His will. It means being so imbued with His presence that when people look upon us they cannot avoid thinking of Him. That is knowing God. And that is our goal in this series and in this church. For just a moment and say thank you for listening to Landline. It means a lot to us that you are going along on this journey of study with us. Our goal with the Landline podcast is to reach as many people for Christ as we can, and we need your help to do that. All you have to do is subscribe and listen and share the link with your friends. The more people we get listening to the podcast, the more podcasting platforms we can put the podcast on. It's that simple. Just listen, subscribe, and share. It's as easy as one, two, three. Let's share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, if you feel like it, you can contact us at landline at foundationchristianministries.com. I'm in the process of developing a website and the whole works, but right now, you can contact me at landline at foundationchristianministries.com. Send me a message, let me know you're listening, ask questions, whatever's on your mind, share with us. We're glad to have you along. And now, back to the message. ago, when I was a youth pastor, I was asked to do a seminar on the heresies of the Mormon Church. I studied really hard, I read book after book on Mormonism, I obtained the actual training materials the organization uses to train its missionaries before sending them into the field. I read the Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price, Doctrine and Covenants, and any other official Mormon literature I could consume. I purchased a pack of highlighters and colored everything that contradicted the Word of God until all of my highlighters ran dry. And then, as if a bell went off in my mind, it became clear to me. My duty was not to teach the people all the blasphemous heresies of Mormonism. My duty was to make them so well acquainted with the truth that anything that differed from it would stand out like a sore thumb. We live in amazing times. Having young children in our home, we are asked questions from the time the sun comes up until we tuck our little ones into bed at night, and often even after that. We often look at one another with raised eyebrows and jokingly say, Google is our friend. The sheer volume of information that's available to each of us is astounding. When I was a kid, we had an old set of encyclopedias that took up two complete shelves on our wall, and I loved pouring through them engorging my mind with random bits of information. Little did I know that as an adult I would carry a small electronic marvel in my pocket that could almost instantly connect me with the whole of the accumulated knowledge of mankind. Think about that for a moment. You carry in your pocket more computing power than what went up on the first trip to the moon. You can research any topic at the top of a screen and instantly receive thousands of bits of information through which you can sift. It is very easy to confuse information with knowledge. The two are not the same. In fact, the easy availability of limitless information is causing a sort of intellectual sluggishness that worsens rapidly over time. We have all the information in the world at our fingertips, yet we know so little. We retain so little knowledge. We are so acclimated to the ability to easily retrieve information that we're losing the ability and inclination to retain or memorize that information. Knowing something, really knowing, is different than gathering information. It is taking that information and making it a part of you. Many of us have chuckled at the implications when someone has said, he knew her in the biblical sense we understand that to mean that he had intimate physical relations with her. However, the meaning has broader implications than mere sex. The archaic term is found in Genesis 4.1, where it says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. As I mentioned before, the implication of this term is clear. They had physical intercourse. However, two chapters prior to this verse, we read an enlightening turn of a phrase. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Knowledge, true knowledge, requires a bonding. Whether in regards to a mate or a subject of study, to truly know means to become one with the object of that knowledge. You must absorb it. It must become part of you. You must study it, ruminate on it, meditate on it, and absorb it until it is an extension of who you are. That is what it means to truly know. Anything less is merely poor stewardship of available information. Hey, do you know Brad Pitt? You know, the actor from movies like Moneyball, Ocean's Eleven, and Troy, among many others. Do you know Brad? No, you probably don't. You most likely know of Brad Pitt. You can probably name some of his films, possibly name some of his family members. He's from Springfield, Missouri. I can name some of his family members who still live here. You may even be able to name his children or spout off a few facts about him. You've probably heard various bits of celebrity gossip about him and his exploits, However, there's a huge difference between knowing of someone and actually knowing them. Many of us are convinced that we know a lot of people and things, yet we've never invested ourselves in the true knowledge we claim. We pride ourselves in knowledge that we often do not possess. Even in the case of our spouse, we often boast of knowledge that we fail to invest ourselves enough to achieve. I'm reminded of a quote from the Christian film, Fireproof, where the closest friend of the main character exhorts him saying, When a man is trying to win the heart of a woman, he studies her. He learns her likes, dislikes, habits, and hobbies. But after he wins her heart and marries her, he often stops learning about her. If the amount he studied her before marriage was equal to a high school degree, He should continue to learn about her until he gains a college degree, a master's degree, and ultimately a doctorate degree. It's a lifelong journey that draws his heart ever close to hers. If that is the case with our spouses, how much more important is an ongoing, deepening, anxious learning of the God who created us, provides for us, died for us, and who promises us eternal life with him? are we not compared in scripture to a bride and he to the groom i'll give you a few quick references that you can look up later matthew 9 verse 15 matthew 22 verse 2 matthew 25 verse 1 and verse 6 mark 2 verse 19 luke 5:34 john 3 verse 29 And Revelation 21, verse 2. The theme to which God has led foundation Christian ministries is know, pray, do. This is the core of our mission and our teaching. Over the next many weeks, we will explore these three concepts in a holistic approach to the calling of God on all Christians. John 8, 31 and 32. Says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The church today has a great many attendees who boast of their possession of freedom. They sing songs about it, they celebrate it, they abuse it, they market it. Yet, they often neglect the first part of the equation Christ offers here. They know of the truth. They know where the truth is. They know where they can find the truth. They just take its presence for granted as being enough without actually apprehending that truth and making it a part of their very being. Walk with us as we travel this road of study gaining a deeper understanding and doing our best to actually know the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John fourteen six. Heavenly Father, we want to know you. We owe you so much. You are so great, so righteous, so holy, so glorious. And we want to know you. We want to be consumed by a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. We want to know your attributes. We want to know you on a deep, personal, intimate level. We want to be a friend of God. We want to be a man after God's own heart. We want to walk with you. Father, fill our hearts and our minds and our very beings with a hunger to know you more. Oh, I want to know you. I want to be close to you. I want to dwell in your presence. I want to learn at your feet. Help me, I pray, in the precious, holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ.